uh, out of Luke, uh, Luke 2. And this is um, the part, I like it's it's the bit with the older dudes in it. Because as I'm getting older, it's nice to know that the older dudes have still got something to say and got a role to play in the story. And this is when Jesus, remember, was taken and presented at the temple as as Jews did when they had the child. They bought the child at the temple and gave offerings and thanked God for their life. And, and part of the offering was to, to make offering for that new baby's sin because they believed that because of Adam, everybody was born in sin. So when the baby was taken, they were taken and offering was made. And so they came and they presented Jesus at the temple. And when they were doing that, there were two special older people there. Verse 25, it says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he wouldn't die before he'd seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Then there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She'd lived with her husband seven years after marriage, and then as a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped day and night, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew strong, grew and became strong, and was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Amen. So old dude's still got something to say. So this is my, my turn. So the birth of Jesus was... Like I think of it like it's like this incredible light show. If you think about the shepherds in the field, and and, and Jesus is being born, and as he is, that uh, this amazing, beautiful, uh, long-awaited, long-prophesied event is finally coming to pass, and and the angels show themselves, and and light comes down, and they're like, wow, and they're terrified. I've never seen anything like it. Like heaven has come into their realm and burst open and there's light everywhere and joy and glory and, and angels, companies of angels are singing in the sky. This must have been something else. This isn't a fantasy story. This is what actually happened. This really happened to some people. It had been a long time coming. Jesus had been prophesied about, if you go back, you follow the prophecies about Jesus. Back in Genesis 3, God had said, to Eve that one of her sons, one of her descendants would crush the evil one. And then in in 
in Psalm 22, you read the story about Jesus. And it's a picture of Jesus dying on the cross. You remember when I could count all my bones, my flesh was wasting away. I was thirsty and they gambled, about my cl- gambled for my clothes. Remember that, that Psalm? Just picturing Jesus. In, um, in, in um, Isaiah, it says in chapter 714, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive. This is 700 years before Jesus was born. In um, Micah, it gets more specific. It talks about Bethlehem. But you, Bethlehem, Epaphtra, through you, though you are small among the clans of Judea, out of you will come for me one who will rule. That's 800 years before Jesus was born. So he's going to be born of a virgin. He's going to come from Bethlehem. Then in Zechariah 9, it says, Look, your king is coming to you. He's righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, even a donkey's colt. That's also 800 years before Jesus was born. And then John 12, 12, when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, into Jerusalem John says, Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, exactly as prophesied. It's been a long time coming, this coming of Jesus. When he came with all that glory and the angels singing, you've got to remember he came against a backdrop of darkness. It was nighttime when Jesus came. It was nighttime when Jesus came. So the light shone even more brightly because of the darkness. Jesus came to the world. Well, we know history tells us he came in relative poverty, uh, he was born to an unmarried couple. Um, he was just this little brown boy, little brown baby, for whom nobody had really any room or much time. He came to a country born into a nation that had been oppressed almost forever. They'd had their highlights, but they'd 400 years in slavery in Egypt. And when Jesus came, they're in their own land, but they're in slavery in their own land. So this is a dark time for Jesus' people. They'd been waiting and waiting and waiting for this promised Messiah, and yet nothing seemed to be happening. And for some of us this Christmas, it's, it's like it's, there's a dark time, and not everything is the way we want it to be. I'm, I'm really hoping that this Christmas, when you wake up Christmas morning and the kids are tearing the wrapping off the paper, after having said their prayers, of course, in everything decently in order. But the, you eat plenty of good food, you have all sorts of fun, the family come around, friends come around, you, you get a big afternoon sleep, which is the thing, again, as older dudes like, have a big Christmas lunch, and then you want to, oh, I could do with a nap. A nice afternoon nap. That would be lovely. And, and all good things happen at Christmas. And, and, and so they should. That's the way life is meant to be sweet. Life is meant to be good. There's meant to be provision in life and joy in life. But for some people, it's not. And I just want to acknowledge, like every Mother's Day, every Father's Day, every Christmas Day, I want to acknowledge that for some people, uh, it, it's a bit of a blue Christmas, not a white Christmas. A friend of mine's a chaplain, and he runs a blue Christmas service for people who've lost somebody this year. And he did it in Birmingham, a little church up there. There's only, I think, 140 people in the church, and 40 people came because there were missing people that passed away that year or the year before. And for some people, it's, it's a blue Christmas. Uh, and we need to remember them in our prayers. For some, it's the people in our church. For some people, this Christmas, you know, people are not here. They're overseas. They're not well. They're still sick. The healing hasn't come. So even though there's all good things happening at Christmas, they're delighted with Jesus. 
the joy comes against a dark background. Something is not quite right. But don't forget, if your joy is against a dark background, when Jesus came, he came to change everything. He came not just for the Jewish people, not just for the righteous people, but for everybody. And he came to change everything. And even though it seems to take a while for everything to change, I promise you, everything is going to change. When they were wondering, where is our Messiah? He'd been prophesied so many years ago, 800 years ago, where's our Messiah? 700 years ago, where's our Messiah? 400 years, no prophet had spoken, where's our Messiah? And yet, even though it was still dark and they were still asking, God's plan was right on track. Just at the right time, the Bible says, Jesus was born for us, for the ungodly. Just at the right time. Our timing is, do it now, Lord. I want it now. Please, I want everything perfect now. And I don't really want another bad day in the rest of my life, if that's okay with you. But life is like light and shade, isn't it? It's it's great days and bad days. The question is, have you got light even on the bad days? In Israel that night, it was a dark time for that nation. And yet there was light in the middle of the dark time. And for me, the message of Jesus is so much about hope and so much about how even through dark times there's light and God is taking us to a place of something spectacular in this life and in the next. There are um, a couple of words that really stood out to me in, that, in the reading of the old dudes. Some people say, Anna, I was looking, got into this. I wonder just how old this woman is. It says she was very old. I was having a look. Scholars can't work out if she was 85 or 105. But they figure at least 85, because you normally, as a girl, got married about 15, maybe a little bit older. Uh, and, and she was married for seven years, then her husband died. And how many years did it say who was paying attention to the reading? She'd been, how many? 84. So not quite sure if it means, you know, she's 84 now or 84 years since her husband died. So it was 84 since her husband died and she was about maybe 15. She, she, she could have been 105, 100, over 100. So she's getting on. So all of you are feeling aches and pains. God's still got a role for you to play. Don't be piking out because you're 60 or 70 or 80. Anyway, so these two old guys, they have these words that stick out. The first for me was consolation. Remember he said, I've seen God's consolate, the consolation of Israel. I remember Aidan once um, had, um, he got some scrapes on his knee, as kids do. My son Aidan, if you're wondering who Aidan is. And he was, he's 21 now and a big brute. But when he was younger, he was, you know, he was a sweet little kid and, and he hurt his knee somewhere, he scraped it and it, he was having a shower and the water was hurting so he must have been young because I was allowed in but he said my, my, my knees are sore, the water's hurting so I came in and I, I, I got some, some cream and I put it on his knees and then I very gently damped his, his legs and he said and at the time I'd been working on the boat a lot, my hands were calloused everywhere and he said dad your hands are hard but they're still tender. I'll always remember that. Your hands are hard, but they're still tender. 
I was consoling him. Israel needed consolation. Sometimes we need consolation. The consolation of Israel was Jesus, the one who would bring them comfort and strength. It's interesting the word consolation used there is the same word uh, as the word comforter. So to console somebody is to come alongside, comfort them. You acknowledge that they're in pain. You don't say you're a big baby, like my dad used to say to me. Stop crying, I'll give you something to cry about. Anybody ever heard that? That's what my dad would say. Uh, so, so that's not consoling. Consoling is saying, what was that, Steve O'Similar? No, no, they, you never heard that in your house, did you? But, but that's what I heard in my house. But to console somebody is to come alongside them, acknowledge that they're in pain, be tender, gentle, comfort them. So in John 16, where, John, where Jesus says, this, I'm sending one after me who will be exactly like me, the phrase is, he will be your comforter. It's the same word. The Holy Spirit comes alongside us, teaches us, guides us, leads us places, and when, we're, when we need consolation and comfort, he brings us comfort and strength and he encourages us. That's what Jesus is. He's our consolation. And I don't mean consolation prize like we didn't get what we wanted, but we've got this. No, 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 no. You want this consolation prize. This is better than first prize. This is Jesus is there for you when you need him, when it's dark, when you're not healed, when things aren't going your way, when you didn't get the job. We need consolation. He is your consolation if you'll let him be. The other word was salvation. Salvation, uh, for me, is the next level from consolation. You don't just need help and then they walk away. You don't just need picking up when, you're on, when you've fallen down. You need somebody to walk with you, to take you out of where you are and bring you to a new place. And Jesus was Israel's salvation. He doesn't leave you there and say, there, there. He invites you to follow him out of whatever trouble you're in and to walk with him and follow him out of the darkness into the light. Some people have followed Jesus out of addiction, out of depression, out of all sorts of sin and failure. And some people have had to follow Jesus out of success and self-confidence and pride because success and failure without Jesus, they don't... They're the same. Without Jesus, you can be successful or be a failure. It's the same. You haven't got Jesus. You haven't got Jesus to help you out of your failure or your sickness or your addiction. And you haven't got Jesus to be glad about your success and your effectiveness and your wealth uh, if it's keeping you from him. Jesus saves us from everything that we need to be saved from. He, he, Israel's people needed a saviour, somebody who would take them out of the slavery, slavery they're in. And we need a saviour to take us out of the slaveries we've been in, don't we? The third word that struck me was redemption. Uh, and it's from the description where Anna addressed the people and he pointed to Jesus. Because the people were looking for, the, the Messiah was thought to be the redemption of Israel, the one who would buy them back and redeem all their pain and give it meaning. So when, you, when you're redeemed, the word comes from, it's like uh, the word 
was used in slave markets. Some of you know that back in the day, slavery is not just modern. Slavery has been forever. It means slaves on earth forever. And they literally, you go to the market and buy fruit and veggies and slaves. You buy fish, grain and slaves. They'd be stood there on a little wooden block, chained to it so they couldn't get away, and they stood on a block so you could see them. And then sometimes they'd have a price tag on them, and sometimes they'd be auctioned off if they were particularly promising-looking, young, healthy uh, people. And so you'd literally be in chains waiting for somebody to buy you and wondering how bad it would be when they did. You'd have been dragged from your home or sold into slavery because of debt, completely ashamed and humiliated, in the Greek world, uh, the, the, the Romans thought and the Greeks thought slaves were like tools, the equivalent to a tool. They didn't think they were humans. They were like a tool. They referred to them in the same way. You used a slave to light a fire like you'd use matches. And when the matches were finished, you'd get rid of them. And that's how they treated slaves. And so slaves could be bought. They could be redeemed. They could be bought back. And so the picture is that that we who were slaves to sin, we who were slaves to our addictions, we who were slaves to our success and our pride and our self-confidence, we who were slaves to all of that have been redeemed. Just as the nation of Israel have been and will be redeemed. And so he has paid the price. In, in um, uh, is it, uh, 1 Peter it says that we've, we've not been redeemed by a silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Christ. We've been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. So Jesus came to live, as an to live for God and die for men, die for humanity. That's why he came as a baby. It wasn't for his own good. It was for our good. And the consequences of his life and death and resurrection, thank God, are that now we can live with consolation. We can be saved. And all our mistakes, all our failures... All of those things can be redeemed. God can use everything and turn it into something good, into something beautiful. Remember that song? How old are you if you remember the song, Something Beautiful, Something Good? Anybody know the second line, the next bit? All my confusion, he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and shame. But he took something beautiful he made something beautiful it's a great song so I don't know where you are now in your life if your, your life is full of darkness into the darkness has come a great light <laughs> if you need a new life Jesus came to give you one if you needed comfort, consolation your tears felt and wiped and listened to Jesus has come. If you need saving, if you need, I have to get out of this situation. I have to get a new life now. I need to get out of this mess. I need to stop being so proud and self-reliant and so glad that I'm so clever. Jesus has come to save you. And even if your life, I love the story of the thief on the cross. Jesus is pinned to the cross between two two. two Thieves, you'll know the story probably. And one of the thieves turned to him at the very end of his life, probably only an hour or two to go because they were going to kill them, remember? They had to finish them off before sundown. And he turned to Jesus and Jesus said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus redeemed everything. Wow. No wonder we celebrate Easter. What has God done for us? 
So I don't know where you are now. If you're, you're really in a dark place, I just want to encourage you, God is your consolation. If you need saving, he wants to save you. If you need all of your life being redeemed, if you need everything to be put under his blood and, and made well again and, and purpose to come out of it and good to come out of it, he's there for you. You just have to follow him. Jesus isn't um, an accessory we have in our bag. <laughs> it's not just a cross. A cross is a powerful symbol, but wearing a cross doesn't get you those benefits. How, how do you get the benefit? I'll always say it's like it'll cost you your life, but it's as easy as ABC. You've got to admit that you need a saviour, that you need consolation, that you need saving, and you need redeeming. You've got to confess that you know, you've got to believe that Jesus is Lord and that he loves you and he wants to change your life and come into your life. And then you've got to commit yourself to him and follow him for the rest of your life. Get baptised, join a church, get, find out where your ministry is. It's a new life. So we're going to sing a few songs in a moment. Another song, I think it's the Noel song, which is very, very exciting. I haven't heard that song before. I heard it in practice. Oh, that's a cool song. As we do, I want you to think about what your response to Jesus might be. It might just be praise and worship and thanks. I recognise all you've done for me. And I'm just here today really to praise you and thank you. And I bless you for all I've done. But it might be that today's the day you, th you think, you know what, I am stuck. I'm in a pickle. I need God's consolation. I've been hurting so long. I've been sick. I've been unwell. I've got, I've got all these problems. We well, have a prayer team over there by the banner. I'm not sure who's on today. Bernard and Rose will know because they're the kings of the prayer team, king and queen of the prayer team. So I'm sure somebody's here and, and they'll be there with you. And why don't you just come over and say, look, you know, I've been going through a tough time. Can you pray that God will bring his consolation to my heart? Will you pray that God will receive me as I ask him to? Will you pray that he'll change things around? Because Christmas is a time of hope. Light has come into the world. He came to change everything. And if you need something little or something big changing, today's a day to ask. Because he's here and he's present and he wants to bless you. Let's thank him in, in, in uh, song. I hand over to the worship team. Come on, guys. <laughs>